Welcome to this endo life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo warrior, an endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's <laughs> the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Hi everyone. So today's episode is a replay as I have been in and out of hospital all week undergoing testing for celiac disease and chronic appendicitis. Um, As you can imagine, these appointments have eaten up both my time and my energy so I am resharing an old episode today. And I'm resharing this one because I think it provides you with a great foundation for the rest of the year. Um, and it allows you to kind of begin working on your menstrual health for the rest of the year. So today I am resharing my episode about what you should look for in a healthy menstrual cycle, even with endometriosis, because Just because you have endo, it doesn't mean you have to suffer with a terrible cycle. If you notice your cycle does not match up with what I share today, you may have some hormonal imbalances, which can be improved even with endo. And I'll link to some episodes so you can further identify what you may be experiencing in terms of hormonal issues. And then from there, you'll be able to look into ways to support those hormones. And as you probably know, I have many, many episodes on balancing your hormones and improving your cycle. Okay, so let's get to it. Okay, so we've been talking about hormones and how to improve our periods for a few weeks now. So I thought it would be helpful to give you a quick rundown on what the menstrual cycle actually is and what is happening with your hormones throughout all four stages. 
plus what a healthy menstrual cycle looks like. Now, if some of you are like, yeah, but what about testosterone? Testosterone is coming. I know we've done estrogen, we've done progesterone. I will cover testosterone. And I'm also going to do that low down on like kind of hacks for boosting your progesterone. So those are coming, don't worry. But I really wanted to kind of give you guys this um, as a foundation moving forward. So now, of course, having endometriosis, your period probably doesn't look healthy to you, right? If if you're in the uh, trenches of suffering with endo, then your period probably doesn't look very healthy. Maybe you have really heavy bleeding, maybe you have prolonged periods or a lot of pain. And whilst we have to take into account that, yes, our cycles and our periods in particular will probably look different from others, right? Because we have endo. We shouldn't dismiss these differences as just because of endo and that there's nothing we can do about them. Because in truth, there's probably a lot you can do. When my clients first come to me, many show signs of lack of ovulation, low progesterone, excess or estrogen dominance. Plus some of them have low testosterone, some of them have higher testosterone. It really depends on what they're going, what's going on for them. And as we work on their hormones with blood sugar balancing, stress regulation, nutrition for healthy hormones and lowering inflammation and so on, these symptoms fall away and their hormones stabilize and they end up with really healthy looking cycles. And it's then that we can see a clear picture of what endo is doing and what are the actual symptoms of their endo that are left remaining, which we can continue to work on. And the great thing is, that working on your endo symptoms improves your hormones and working on your hormones improves your endo. So usually both get better by default. So today I want to give you a basic overview of what's happening in your cycle so that you can actually understand the changes. And I've taken snippets from my course, Live and Thrive of Endo for this episode, and I've combined them to give you a short and succinct breakdown of what your hormones, your body, and your emotions are doing throughout your cycle and what a healthy cycle looks like. So you are going to hear me refer to things like other lessons or other modules. That's because this is from my course, Live and Thrive of Endo. So um, ignore those bits. Um, just listen to the, the information. Now, remember, we're not aiming for perfection here. Some months, my cycle is great. Some months I overdo it in one area or maybe I underdo it with like iron. Sometimes, you know, not eating meat, I can sometimes not eat enough iron. And then I notice my cycle's a bit light. So I end up, you know, I improve my iron intake the following month and it's better. Um, and so, you know, maybe sometimes I notice a few signs of estrogen dominance if I've had um, a lot of stress or a lot of sugar um, that month, or I had a, I've had some alcohol, um, or perhaps, you know, I notice that I've ovulated late if I'm being stressed. We don't live in a bubble and there will be times when our menstrual cycle is affected, but that's fine. It's about doing what we can to have a healthy cycle whilst also still living our lives. For the majority of the time, I really have a very, very healthy cycle. Uh, I feel really privileged. I've got some hormone stuff going on that I've just had my test results come back for, and I, I suspected that they were, it was happening. Um, so I need to look into why it's happening, um, and I will share when I have that information. But luckily, my cycle isn't really affected by it. Um, I still seem to be ovulating and I'm still having healthy periods. Um, so that's good news. Anyway, that's a side note. If it's going to cause you more stress to be aware of your menstrual cycle or to try and balance your hormones right now, 
then that's actually going to be detrimental because stress affects your hormones, right? So I don't want you to be stressing about this. So maybe revisit this when you're ready. And if it's just something that you're not interested in, you're like, do you know what? That's just, you know, heads exploding too much for me. Then that's okay too. You don't have to do this. There are the, what I provide you on this podcast and what I provide my clients, they're only ever options always options and you have the right to pick the ones that are right for you. You never have to follow every single step. And I wouldn't even advise you to follow every, every single step because it would just be too much. So only ever pick what feels relevant to you and what feels sustainable for you to do in your life, in your lifestyle. Now, this episode is actually about information. It's not about practical tips. So you can listen to this and then decide, do you know what, do I want to do about anything about this or do I not want to do anything about this? And then of course you have all of the tools that I've provided you in previous episodes in articles, masterclasses, courses, blah, 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 that you can use to work through any issues that you think actually I've got this going on. So this is an information only episode to give you a really good foundation of what a site, the healthy cycle looks like, but you don't necessarily have to act on it. Okay. That's totally your choice. And finally, I just wanted to offer a trigger warning that this episode does talk about conception and fertility in relation to the menstrual cycle. So it's not actually about pregnancy or fertility struggles, but it's just briefly mentioned here and there. So let's start with a quick overview of the key hormones involved in the menstrual cycle. Before I go ahead with this lesson, I do want to let you guys know that I talk about fertilization and preparing the body for pregnancy. So if that feels triggering for you right now, obviously, please just feel free to skip this lesson. In a moment, I'm going to take you through each stage of the menstrual cycle. And to do that, I thought it would be helpful to just give you a brief overview of the core main hormones involved in the menstrual cycle. As I said, this is just a basic overview. So if you want to dive deeper into this subject, I really suggest looking into my tutor Nicole Jardim's work. And I've linked to some of the resources in the handout. So the four key hormones we're really going to be paying attention to are luteinizing hormone. And luteinizing hormones, one of its main roles is to trigger ovulation. Follicle-stimulating hormone's main role is repairing follicles to develop mature eggs for ovulation, but it's also involved in other processes as well. Then we have estrogen, and one of estrogen's main roles is to build the uterine lining, but it's also the hormone that triggers the onset of puberty and feminine features like breasts and hips and boosts serotonin production and dopamine production active and dopamine activity in the brain, supports bone density, sleep and heart health. Then we have progesterone. One of progesterone's key roles is further preparing the uterine lining for pregnancy, but it also boosts GABA receptor function in the brain, allowing us to feel more of the calming benefits of that neurotransmitter. And additionally, progesterone also supports sleep and heart, bone and breast health. Lastly, I want to mention a few others involved, though there are more. So we have gonadotropin releasing hormone, which stimulates follicle-stimulating hormone production from the pituitary gland, testosterone, which plays a role in ovulation and libido, but is much lower in females than males. It also affects moods to enhance confidence and assertiveness. And androstenedione, which plays a role in ovulation alongside testosterone and again is found in much higher levels in males. 
again, there's more to these hormones than just these roles that I've mentioned. And there are actually more hormones involved in this cycle in general. But follicle-stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, estrogen and progesterone are the star players here. If you'd like to learn more, you can refer back to the resources in the handout that I mentioned a moment ago. Okay, so now you have a good knowledge of the key functions of these hormones. Let's now look at how they behave across the cycle. So the start of your menstrual phase is day one of your cycle. And on average, this phase lasts about three to seven days. Again, that's on average and it varies from person to person. So during this time, hormone levels are at their lowest. So energy and focus may be lagging and you may be feeling less social due to the lower levels of feel-good neurotransmitters, hormones and energy. You may also feel more reflective due to the lack of estrogen, which tends to put rose-tinted glasses over our eyes so that we feel desire and closeness with our mate. Without estrogen and testosterone making us feel more social and outgoing, we may feel more inclined to turn inwards and want to spend more time alone. Of course, we may also be in pain and dealing with fatigue and other symptoms of endo. Progesterone at this stage has dropped dramatically, which stimulates the breakdown of the uterine lining. Histamines and prostaglandins are released to help with contractions, which aid in the shedding. And then during this time, progesterone and estrogen continue to stay low, while gonadotropin-releasing hormone lets the pituitary gland know it's time to start dishing out follicle-stimulating hormone during days one to four. FSH begins stimulating the maturation of a couple of follicles during this time. Remember, follicles are like sacs which contain an egg. And then on days five to seven, one follicle is chosen to be the one to go on to ovulate. Okay, so now let's look at the follicular phase. During this time, energy begins and continues to rise with the rise in estrogen. Estrogen begins to boost serotonin and dopamine, so you feel more positive and social, and in the rise in, and the rise in testosterone boosts confidence, potentially making you feel more outgoing. Now, if you notice that actually you're feeling fatigued, run down, depleted, or you're having mood swings in your follicular phase, you're not alone. I see this with many endo clients, and I experience it myself time to time if I don't take some space to rest or slow down during menstruation. For my clients, I tend to see the culprits being low iron and magnesium levels due to excessive blood loss, not resting enough during menstruation, just kind of trying to push through, low levels of rice and estrogen in the follicular phase, or low cortisol levels. And in these clients with low cortisol, they usually feel depleted all month long. They usually feel like kind of zapped all the time. This collection of symptoms post-menstruation has actually been labelled as post-menstrual syndrome. And if you'd like to learn more about it and why it may occur, because the causes that I've given you are just some of the causes that I see with my particular clients, but there are other causes. So if you'd like to learn more, I've put a link in the show notes to an article by the wonderful Nicole Jardim. But basically, this should get better as you start to stabilize your hormones, um, as you start to work on your nutrition and your stress and your HPA axis, things that we've discussed in the past. But if you notice this is you, then have a read of this article by Nicole. So the menstrual phase is actually the first half of the follicular phase because FSH actually begins rising in our menstrual phase. 
So what we generally call the follicular phase is actually the second half of the follicular phase. And this occurs on average from day eight to day 14. The follicles which were selected by FSH begin making testosterone, which is in large part then converted into estrogen. So when we say that estrogen is made in the ovaries, this is what we mean. They're actually It's actually made in the follicles. Estrogen goes about thickening the uterine lining and this rise in estrogen lets the brain know that it's time to lower FSH because the follicle chosen for ovulation is happily growing away. This then triggers a rise in luteinizing hormone, which in turn stimulates more testosterone and androstenedione production. The body starts pre preparing itself for pregnancy by releasing fertile cervical fluid and moving the cervix higher up, which means that only the strongest sperm will make it to the egg. Meanwhile, the chosen follicle takes the lead while the others disintegrate. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. So now let's look at the obligatory phase. This phase is fairly similar to the follicular phase, but revved up. Estrogen is driving us to find a mate in this time, so it's normally our most social time. We tend to feel more confident and outgoing at this stage due to estrogen and testosterone working together. Now, there may be pain going on for you, so appreciate that this phase might look different for you and work on lowering inflammation so that you can hopefully feel more of the benefits of this time in the future. Higher estrogen levels tend to improve focus and concentration, though for some of us, this may impair concentration because the high levels of neurotransmitters could have us feeling like it's Friday afternoon every day. I also want to mention here that some people can have an excess of dopamine, which can actually cause irritability and anger. If that's you during this time, I recommend working on stabilizing your hormones first and seeing if that helps to improve things. And if not, work with a functional practitioner to assess your dopamine levels and what might be causing this. In the meantime, you could try adding in calming practices like meditation and breathing to help ease your mood. You'll probably have rose-tinted glasses on thanks to estrogen's desire to get us pregnant. So this is a good time for enjoying time with loved ones, especially family members who might rub you up the wrong way at other times of the month or who you might experience conflict with around your health. This could be a really good time to see them if at other times you just find it difficult to spend time with them. So ovulation on average occurs between days 12 to 14, but really that time span varies greatly and I'll take you through that in just a moment. So as a chosen follicle matures, more estrogen is made and this rise in estrogen triggers off a surge in luteinizing hormone with estrogen dropping just as the luteinizing hormone surge kicks in. The LH surge transforms the follicle into the corpus luteum gland, stimulating it to make progesterone, and together, LH, progesterone, testosterone, and androstenedione set off ovulation 12 hours after the luteinizing hormone surge. 
At this point, the egg has 12 to 24 hours to be fertilized before it disintegrates. At this part of your cycle, your cervix is at its highest point and you have sticky, clear, fertile cervical fluid. It's important to note here that if estrogen doesn't reach its peak, luteinizing hormone won't be stimulated and ovulation won't occur. Okay, now we're on to the luteal phase, which is named after the luteinizing hormone. In this part of our cycle, estrogen is dropping, so energy can drop across this time frame though we tend to start out with continued high levels at first. If progesterone is sufficient, you'll feel calmer and sleep better. But if your levels are low, you may feel a sudden decline in mood, energy and focus and have disturbed sleep. As estrogen falls, you'll likely become more introverted because you no longer have the same drive to be social. This kicks in after ovulation between days 14 to 29 on average and is anywhere from 11 to 17 days long but the average is 12 to 14 days. During this phase progesterone reigns supreme because it is released in hopefully plentiful amounts from the corpus luteum. Progesterone continues to fluff up, fluff up the uterine lining for the potentially now fertilized egg to eventually plant itself in. LH and FHH continue to stay low at this point and estrogen should be at levels lower than progesterone. Of course, if progesterone is low or estrogen is too high, we'll get that estrogen dominance scenario. As we edge closer to menstruation, estrogen rises briefly to support possible implantation, so you'll likely notice some clear and sticky cervical fluid at some point a few days before your period. This isn't fertile cervical fluid. Then, just before your period, FSH starts to rise again to begin choosing new follicles for maturation. So now you know how the menstrual cycle works, let's look at what a healthy cycle looks like. In research, a healthy cycle has been shown to be between 21 to 35 days long. However, in our training, Nicole Jardim recommends 25 to 35 day cycles as she sees this time frame to be the most consistent with healthy hormones. The average cycle length is 29 days. Ovulation should occur ideally between days 12 to 21 and will normally vary slightly every month. It's not true that we ovulate on day 14. Then, if we've had successful ovulation, this should be followed by an 11 to 17 day luteal phase. If it's less than 11 days, this could indicate you're not making enough progesterone or that you didn't ovulate at all and the period that you're having is essentially just a breakthrough bleed as a result of dropping estrogen levels. So in short, a period doesn't mean you've ovulated. There is usually some variation in cycle lengths from month to month, and this is normal. And in fact, statistically, you'll likely have a cycle that varies greatly at some point each year, which may be due to stress, nutrient deficiencies, illness, etc. But if your cycles vary dramatically all the time or frequently, then there's a hormonal issue there or a condition like PCOS. In the next lesson, I'll tell you which red flags to look out for when you're tracking your cycle. Having said all of this, everyone is different. So if you have shorter or longer cycles and you feel well and healthy and you're sure you're ovulating, I'll show you how to check this in the next lesson, and you've ruled out PCOS, etc., then this is just your cycle and that's absolutely fine. Now let's look at a healthy period. The start of your period is the first day of bright red blood, which is freely flowing. Any spotting beforehand doesn't count as day one. It should last between three to seven days. Periods less than three days could indicate low estrogen or low iron, and periods longer than eight days are regarded as heavy and are associated with low iron, estrogen dominance, and a number of other conditions I'll flag in the next lesson. Research shows that a normal period ranges between two to seven days, but in my training, we're taught that at least three days is optimum for healthy hormones and fertility. 
However, if you've always had two-day periods, your hormone levels are good and you're ovulating. This is just how your period is and don't worry about it not being three days long. As long as you're healthy, that's all good. The first one to two days should be the heaviest with a vibrant red colour and thick yet flowing consistency. So a bit like maple syrup. Blood colour will change as time goes on and normally will get darker as the blood becomes older and exposed to oxygen. Your flow should start tapering off after day two, gradually getting lighter until it stops entirely. If you have any spotting beforehand, it shouldn't go on for longer than one to two days before your period actually starts. If your periods have always started lighter, gotten heavier and then lighter again, or they are the same flow every day and then stop and fade away, these are also normal. Okay, so there was a lot of hormones flying around in this lesson. So really, just remember the key takeaways, which are estrogen dominates in the first half of your cycle. Estrogen needs to reach its peak for ovulation to occur and ovulation must occur for sufficient progesterone to be made. So if you found this episode helpful and you want to learn more about living well with endo or you'd like some further help, I wanted to remind you of the resources I have available to you and how you can work with me if you'd like to. So I obviously have hundreds of these episodes for you to binge on, and I do have two free columns. So one on endometriosis net and one on endometriosis news, and there are countless articles on there to help you thrive. You can also sign up to my newsletter for tips and updates. I have a digital cookbook and nutrition guide, This Endo Life, It Starts With Breakfast, which you can download for just $9.99. And if you want to go that step further, I have short and budget-friendly masterclasses in nutrition, surgery prep and recovery, and natural pain relief. I also have a DIY course, Live and Thrive With Endo, The Foundations, which you can sign up to at any time at a really affordable price point and you have lifetime access to. So you can go at your own pace and literally look back at it years down the line. This four module course will provide you with the most effective yet easy to digest tools and strategies to reduce your pain, fatigue, endo belly, brain fog and hormonal symptoms and allow you to live your life again. Each lesson includes the core foundational needle movers that I have seen work for my clients time and time and time again. You get all the essential information that you need to be endo without the overwhelm. Finally, you can apply to work with me one-to-one. This is my most advanced and personalized offer, so I only take a handful of clients. To find out the details and the application process, head to my coaching page. The links to all of these resources and ways to work with me are in the show notes. And finally, to help others find this podcast and reach as many people with endo as possible, please leave a review and please share with your friends and family and subscribe.